So the, the sort of direction or aim of today's gospel is focused primarily on the Pharisee and this tendency to look down on other people, to think that we are better somehow than others around us. And, and while this is a temptation, the truth is I don't see it very, very often. What's ironic, though, is what I think is probably more relevant for us to focus on is the second part of the gospel. Not the Pharisee, but the tax collector. So the tax collector who comes in, he, he's so contrite, sorry for his sins, he won't even look up to heaven. He beats his breast in sorrow for what he's done. The reality is, in my years as a priest, I never see this. I never see this. And this is something, at least, that's somewhat of a shock to me because this was my experience in my conversion. I had a couple of conversions that lasted for a couple of weeks, a couple of days. But when I received that gift of the Spirit, and maybe I was open to it at the point, there was a deep contrition, sorry for my sins. And I had a 180-degree turnaround. And part of me says, well, because I experienced that, I'd like to see other people experience that. But the reality is, I see it very, very, very infrequently. Why is that? I will argue today, as I've said before, is because so many people's hearts today are anesthetized. They're fat, they're gross, they're dead to any feelings. They're like some big slob on a couch, drinking Miller Lite and eating Cheetos all afternoon. I could come up there and say, get off the couch and exercise, won't even move. The house is on fire. Too much of this just slob to do anything. And the reality is, this is the heart of a lot of people. Anesthetized, weak, lazy, slow, stricken by one of the seven capital vices. The vice of sloth. And sloth is not laziness like that guy on the couch. Sloth is a spiritual apathy, a sadness at what we're called to. I really want to put forth the effort. I want to just get through doing the minimum. This is a pandemic amongst people, much worse than lust or wrath or anything, because it makes us not care. It makes us willing to live in mortal sin and wait six months to go to confession. It's like the individual who knows they have cancer, but is too busy smoking dope, drinking beer, to even care about going to have surgery. Anesthetized to the reality of what they face. Why is this? Why is it that so many people, particularly young people, struggle with this sloth? It's because of one main reason. 
sins of the flesh. Life of the flesh is opposed to the life of the Spirit. If you come to me and you say, Father, I'm missing Mass, I'm not praying like I should, my spiritual life is dead, I can bet you 95% of the times you are mired in the life of the flesh. Because what happens is that life of the flesh makes us spiritually lazy. It makes us fat and pathetic. And so, yeah, I could come up here and say, you better convert. Not going to do it. Because we can't hear. Because we're like a big jab of the hut. We're a big blob. And nothing is going to make us get off our little stand to change. And that's how the devil, I think, gets his hands around people's throats. Particularly when they're young and particularly in our culture, it's the sins of the flesh. Particularly sexual sins. And that's what's so bad about the sexual sins is because of the way they anesthetize us that we can be called out to conversion. The spirit can be banging on the door, but our hearts are fat and we won't listen. So we never experience what we see in the gospel. And we just waste away. What we're called to, though, is that deeper conversion. And if we really recognize that our spiritual life is dead, and it's because we're living a life in the flesh, and believe me, you know if you're doing it. If you're going out drinking all the time, if you can't stop going over and spending the night and fooling around with your boyfriend or girlfriend, if you refuse to even take the smallest steps to limit your access to pornography, you are suffering from sloth and you have a fat heart and the devil's probably got his hands around your neck but you don't even care. But you don't even care. So what's the solution? Again, boy, Father, you sure think the solution is yelling at people today. Well, let's make them to the second reading. When St. Paul talks about the race, he ran the race. He realized what he was, the goal was. The goal was heaven. The goal was holiness. But if Paul just sat around doing nothing, there's no way he's going to win that race. If he's living the life of the flesh, it's not going to happen. So often, we are like that person who won't get off the couch. Or we're like me when I was in high school who didn't want to participate. I was the kid who, instead of playing sports, would just sit on the bleachers and goof around, walk around the track. Bad attitude. A lot of us have that bad attitude. There's nothing to motivate us to run that race. And so, you need a coach. The coach there to challenge you. Challenge you to say, let's talk about what's at stake here, people. What's at stake is our souls. Why do you think Jesus came and died on the cross? He didn't do it for funsies. He came and died on the cross because sin is real. Sin is real. And when we have a heart that is anesthetized, is fat and lazy, and we don't care, the whole world could be falling on around us, but we're so centered on ourselves, if we can't get off the couch to convert, then we go down the spiral, you end up in place, and you're sort of surprised that you're there. So what does it take? What does it take to convert? 
Now, I can't make, snap my finger and make it happen because the Holy Spirit has to come in. But we can do certain things to prepare ourselves for the race. Can't make you want to run the race. I can't say anything to make you run the race. But there's certain things that if we can clear out, that we will be more disposed to see the finish line and have that motivation to go to the end and actually experience real repentance. The first one is this. If you ever saw Dazed and Confused, Pink was the quarterback. He had great talent, but he hung around a bunch of losers. That coach would get on the field and say, look at these people you're hanging around with, Pink. You have all this talent, but you're wasting it because you're going to the rock concerts, you're smoking dope with your friends, and you're being a pathetic waste of space. Jesus loves everybody. But when people go out and are continuously living a party lifestyle, they're drinking, I'll always ask them, are you doing it by yourself? No, you're not, because adults drink by themselves. Young people don't. You're doing it because of the people you're hanging around with. You're going to have to leave those people. You're not judging them. They're wonderful people. But if they're not interested in running the race, if they're not helping you move forward, you got to cut it. Maybe very slowly. But if you can't resist being around these people and going out and acting like a pagan rather than a Christian, you don't need to be around them. Most people have a group of friends that actually pursue holiness, that care about virtue. Those are the people you need to be hanging around with. Your teammates who are interested in running the race. So, so very important. Same thing goes when it comes to relationship. If you're in a relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend who's really not interested in pursuing chastity or says they're interested in pursuing chastity but continuously pull you to fall, dump them. Dump them. There's not one person that's meant for you. You're probably in a codependent relationship anyhow. Move on. Because it is better to be alone than to be in a relationship where someone's dragging you to hell. It's a reality. There are plenty of other people out there. You're not dependent on this one person for happiness. It's a hard thing. If I tell you that in confession or counseling, people don't like to hear it. But it's a reality. Not easy. I had to do it. The reality was, after I converted, most of my friends abandoned me. Because I didn't want to hang around and do those things anymore. I didn't judge them. I still loved them. I still prayed for them. But this is the reality. If you are going to run the Christian race, you've got to run with people who care. Second, if you want to run the race, you can't be smoking cigarettes. You can't be vaping. You can't be doing these things that drag you down. You gotta eat chicken, you can't eat boudin. You gotta drink your protein shake, you can't be drinking a bunch of beer. There are certain things you're gonna have to cut out, habits that are not good. And the person who wants to win the race is willing to do it because they see their goal. And so, besides getting rid of the people who are dragging you down, if you have an addiction to pornography, Take the step to get it out of your life. Well, Father, I, I, I'm praying the rosary more. That's not going to be any good. you got to limit it. you got to cut it off. 
It's like the alcoholic saying, I don't want to drink anymore, but I'm going to keep the stocked bar in my house, and I'm going to put a picture of the Blessed Virgin Mary. That's going to stop me from drinking. No, it's not. And fortunately, we've moved ahead enough that we can limit a lot of the access. If you have an iPhone, there is something called screen time. It really severely limits your access to porn. And if you don't know how to use it, go on YouTube, I'll teach you how to use it. But you gotta put a code in. The problem is if you put the code in, guess what? When you're weak, you're gonna turn it on. Give it to someone else. I think on the new update on Apple, there's supposed to be screen time on your computer. You gotta do what it takes to get these things out of your life. Because trust me, lust is hard enough when you're young and you got testosterone and hormones going everywhere. Every time you look at porn, you are dumping gasoline on the fire. Now, I can see if you're making steps to limit your access to porn, and you fall every once in a while, I'm going to give you two Hail Marys. But if there's not even an effort to try, it shows me you are on the couch eating Cheetos, not even caring. And it's really a bad addiction because it kills the spiritual life. And you start bringing that garbage into your relationship. Because a lot of the times, that pornography is the dopamine release. It's a drug, it's what we're looking for. I can tell you, I know when it is finals time. That line is out the door for confession. Everybody's stressed, they want that dopamine release, so they turn to porn. That's what works, I understand that. I know how it goes, and I can be merciful. But we've got to cut that out because it's an addiction and it affects relationships. And for guys in particular, it often feeds on your deep-seated anger. It's an interesting revelation that I had from something I was reading a few months ago. Most of the time, it's not lust, fellas. It's eroticized anger. And the porn that you look at feeds and fuels that. And then you carry it in your relationship and your girlfriends hate it. But even, I know girls look at it too. It's everywhere. I've seen a tremendous change. But both share the same thing. It causes so much shame. And when we're filled with shame, we want to hide. We don't want to truly repent. Never going to judge. Jesus will never judge. But if your arm causes you to sin, you've got to cut it off to be able to move forward. And when we have something that's shameful, bring it to the light. Tell someone, yeah, I'm struggling with this. I need some help. Please do something because it is ruining souls and it's making people not even want to run the race. Third and finally, most important, and some of you may have heard me say this before, we can pray for the strength to get rid of our deadbeat loser friends. We can pray for the strength to cut porn and all this other kind of garbage out of our lives. But if we don't have the desire, it's not gonna matter. That's the real thing that's the struggle. Most people don't even have the desire to change. The desire to live a life in the spirit. And so, I don't have the desire to run the race. I don't have the desire to do any of that. We can sit and avoid things because they're bad for us. But it's better if we want to pursue something that we know is good for us. 
And a life of holiness, a life of following Jesus, a life of the Spirit is a good thing. I've been mean, a preacher for 20 years. I know what a life of the flesh does to people's minds and hearts and relationships. The life in the Spirit is a life of adventure, a life of joy, a life of transformation. But we got to want it. And all I can do as a coach is encourage you, is challenge you, and sometimes chew you behind. That's what coaches do. And say, we are in it to win. But I can't give you the desire. And if our hearts are fat, we can't respond to the spirit. We can't have that contrition that makes us say, I'm sorry for what I've done, Jesus. I'm sorry for crucifying you. I know as a Christian, I'm weak and I'm fallen. And you're willing to show mercy. But i got to show you that I really want to run the race. I really want to change. So that's the most important thing. If you find yourself mired in the flesh, living that life in the flesh, and noticing the life in the spirit is draining away. If you realize that most people do, and you can't even muster the strength to take one step forward, I ask you today at Mass to beg God for the desire or the desire to have the desire to have the desire to change. To open your heart and have the Spirit come in and punch you in the teeth. Knock you a block off. And realize what sin does. More importantly, the joys of living a life in the Spirit. Amen.